At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Baseball, baseball. That's what we'll start with. Hour number two. My guys in the desert from the South Point Sportsbook, Matt Humans, Jonathan Von Tobel, and uh, thanks to Brent Musburger for joining us in hour number one today. If you missed the first hour, you can find the replays of uh, our show and all VSIN shows at vsin.com. And hey, plenty of great content up there right now to prepare you for the college and NFL seasons and the pro football betting guide out there as well. Go to vsin.com slash subscribe. For all that content to help with your handicapping. All right, JVT, let's talk baseball before we really jump into NFL week one in hour number two today. And uh, the Yankees really struggling. Dropped two in a row in the Bronx to the Orioles and got bombed by the Blue Jays today. Eight nothing. Third straight loss for the Yankees. And that's not how you're going to catch the Rays from behind. Yeah. And this, I think the surprising part is the fact that they were goose egg, right? You, you would kind of expect uh, this. Uh, what happened to this offense? It yeah. could not be stopped during that 13 game win streak. Yep. You, you expect the bullpen and the pitching to kind of let them down. And Kresge comes in and gives up five earned runs uh, to close this game out. It makes the score look much more lopsided than it really was. But the fact that they got shut out uh, by Toronto is pretty surprising. Hyunjin Ryu was awesome. But once you get to that pen, you expect a little bit more action from New York. Not the case. And now I think we can all but uh, sew up the AL East for Tampa Bay. They have a commanding eight-game lead, potentially eight and a half if this result holds against Boston. Now you just got to struggle to get into that AL wildcard picture. And uh, that is not going to be easy by any stretch with the A's and the the Red Sox in that uh, running. Not going to be easy at all for New York. All right. The uh, Rays, by the way, trying to close out a wild game in the Bronx. 11 to 10 lead now in extra innings. I think we're in the bottom of the 10th. And you talked about an inside the park home run <laughs> is what uh, helped the Rays tie this game up and send it to extras. Yeah, down 9 8. Uh, and Austin Meadows at the plate hits one off of the wall. Uh, like you were saying, you know, probably should have been maybe a triple uh, with the fielding error. But regardless, uh, it fumbled out in the outfield by a usually solid Boston Red Sox outfield defense. Not the case this one. He ties it up at nine. They go to extras. Rays plate two in the uh, top of the 10th. Boston's got one back, though, and they got runners in first and second with one. Uh, two outs, so maybe they can tie. Bases you know, loaded. Bases loaded. Here we go. Bases loaded. Two outs. Action. Rays lead the Red Sox eleven to ten at Fenway Park, and uh, we'll see what happens with this game. Labor Day baseball. JVT, you gotta love it. All right. So last night, the Giants regained the division lead against the uh, Dodgers in the National League West. Uh, they won two, a row, two in a row in the series and took the season series 10-9, to nine, and they bombed Walker Bueller last night. And that's rare because he's been great for two months, but the Giants jumped all over him. I think that was Walker Bueller's first loss yep. uh, to the Giants. 
Uh, but the Dodgers and Giants both playing well today. Right now, the Giants up 8-1 on the Rockies, middle of the fifth inning at Coors Field in Colorado, and the Dodgers on top of the Cardinals 5-0, bottom of the sixth in St. Louis. It's funny. So I, we had mentioned this, Wes Reynolds and I, we were on the green zone yesterday, where if you looked at some of the numbers, you know how I like to do the buy low, sell high stuff, that there was a case we made that Walker Bueller was pitching a little above his skis, but like to the point where he's an extremely good pitcher to a good pitcher, right? Like a 231 ERA, but a 360 expected fielding independent. And they're like, oh, you know, maybe there's some room for a regression, like a five-inning, three-earned run type performance. Not the case. Like the regression came, it was a little bit worse than that. So, uh, look, it's going to happen every once in a while. Bueller was on a torrid pace. I do think from a big-picture perspective – Finally slipping up makes the NL Cy Young picture a lot really interesting, right? You have Woodruff out there who's performing very well, his teammate Corbin Burns, what that is going to shake out to be. I get Robbie Ray the other day, so the AL Cy Young, but I think that was more, I'm not punting on Walker Bueller. I think that's more about the Cy Young race, what that means going forward than anything else. All right, let's take a look at a quick look at two games tonight. Seattle and Houston, uh, Kikuchi against McCullers, and the Astros minus 220. At DraftKings right now, a total of eight and a half, and uh, that's an important game for both teams. Yeah, you say Kikuchi. Uh, so far, again, one of those guys where I think you look at him in over 144 and a third innings of work, it's reliable to look at this and go, okay, 412 ERA, 373 expected fielding independent. Uh, if he gets a little bit more good luck with these home runs, which he has not had, 162 home runs every nine innings or 1.6, and if you look at the home run to fly ball ratio, it's a little high. 22% yeah. of his fly balls are going out of the park. That's really high and really unlucky. So uh, if he gets a little bit more lucky, That'll help him out. Problem is, it's this Astros lineup, which has actually kind of been scuffling lately and in a park that might not really help him out too much. So I think you're still at the right price. If you got to like 200 on the Mariners and Kikuchi, that might be worth it, but you're not there. Astros up four and a half games on Seattle in the AL West with A's slipping uh, five and a half back. Mm-hmm. All right. Yo, Shohei Otani, is, uh, his home run lead in the majors has um, been narrowed to two by Salvador Perez of the Royals. Otani with 43 home runs. Perez with 41, and uh, tonight the Angels in action at home against Texas with uh, uh, Angels slight favorites minus 125. We'll take a quick break, come back, and break down NFL Week 1 next. Send the Sports Betting Network. It's my guys in the desert, Matt Humans, JVT. And uh, for the next 15 minutes, we're going to break down NFL Week 1. And uh, JVT in studio with us on Friday is going to be Scott Kellen, our old friend. Oh, I love return Friday with his uh, analytical breakdown of uh, this week's NFL card in Week 1. Hopefully, we can get Aaron Renning to pitch in as well. Uh, let's start at the top. In week one, and take a look at uh, Cowboys Buccaneers. I think the Cowboys are in a lot of trouble in this matchup, and I'm obviously not alone. I think there's going to be a, uh, I think an avalanche of action on the Buccaneers side this week, whether it be on teasers, money line parlays. Mm-hmm. What's going to be? If you like teasers in the NFL, this looks like the ideal game to knock down the one and a half. Tampa Bay. A seven and a half point favorite in most spots. Circus Sports has moved to eight, along with DraftKings, total of 52. But no Zach Martin on that offensive line for the Cowboys. Pro Bowl right guard, he's going to be severely missed. And Dak Prescott hasn't played a game in about a year. Uh, you wonder how the timing's going to work with uh, Prescott and the wide receivers and that entire offense. And, you know, the blocking for Zeke Elliott up front against yep. the Tampa Bay defense, let's face it, was really stout against the run. And the Tampa Bay defense is what carried that team to the Super Bowl, not Tom Brady's uh, performances against the Packers and the Chiefs. Uh, yeah, I just, uh, it's hard to find a positive for Dallas <laughs> in this as, spot. It is hard. Like, yeah. there's, there's so many things that are working against them. You know, man, like the two biggest things for me, both offensively, because that's the thing is I think we kind of know that this Cowboys defense isn't going to be very good. They didn't really add that much in the offseason in the draft that they did. But in terms of like impact free agents, we know proven commodities. One of the names is Keanu Neal, but he's converted to a linebacker, right? So we don't know what you're going to get from this team defensively. Um, And I think it's probably just going to be negative. And offensively, you know, the interior, that's not good to have a weak offensive line on the interior, especially think about what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 
Panthers have along the interior. You're talking about Vita Vea, William Golston, two highly graded interior pass rushers last season. Like That's going to be a problem for a quarterback who has not thrown in the preseason, a quarterback who hasn't played competitive football because of a serious injury. Like, it just There's no reason for me to believe that the Cowboys are going to win this. Now, staying within seven and a half is another question, right? But I, I just it's for me, there are too many question marks about Dallas to like willingly take seven and a half, even with that number update with Circa. So I put the bucks on a teaser. That is the way that uh, uh, teased them down to one and a half. That key number you can get through that. We'll talk about more of those. But I, that, that to me, that was the way to attack it, man. Yeah, if you like the Cowboys, you're going to be taking plus eight, and you might get eight and a half at right. some point this week. Who knows? But I don't play a lot of teasers in the NFL. I play some here and there. I'm definitely going to play. I've already played one with the Buccaneers. I might play another one. Uh, or two this week, but knocked the Buccaneers down to one and a half with the Rams on the first teaser, I bet. We'll talk about best bets later. Uh, Okay, let's move on to Steelers and Bills. Buffalo, a a six-and-a-half point home favorite, total of uh, 48, and that's uh, the first game on the rotation early Sunday morning. So I'm really intrigued by Pittsburgh, and I kind of, I really hope, maybe that's not going to be the case, that this gets to that full touchdown. So if you go back to last year, so my first question was how Josh Allen fares against this defense, right? Because remember last year, Buffalo, they won at home 26-15, to but they only averaged 4.7 yards per play, 27.8 yards per drive. Uh, To put that in perspective, 27.8 yards per drive put you dead last in the National Football League if you average that over a season, like mm-hmm. by a mile. And then if you look at Allen, one of his worst passing grades in the season last year against Pittsburgh, only five and a half yards per attempt. And I know that the Steelers are going to be really good defensively. And so I think that adds some intrigue on the Steelers side. For me, it's just is Big Ben in this offense, are they going to be better? Ben Roethlisberger last year, career worst in average depth of target, career worst in passing grade on throws 20 or more yards downfield. He only had one touchdown on play action last right. year. And, and it's all questions about the offensive line. But if you're giving me a full touchdown the way this defense matches up with Buffalo and I'm going to say it it's only 10 dropbacks but the Steelers offense in the preseason looked a little different right I think that this is one where the Steelers are going to be pretty live but I want that full seven they're on my my long list of you know games I'm looking at but I definitely want a full touchdown if that's going to be the case I'm in on Pittsburgh yeah I don't think in a contest whether it be the Westgate Super Contest or the Circa Millions you're going to get that seven so it's a decision you're going to have to make if you want to take less than seven but I'm with you on this I'm looking uh, to me it's going to be Steelers or pass I think a lot of people have overreacted to some of the offensive issues that we saw saw uh, last year in the uh, you know last month and a half or so Big Ben's actually throwing the ball much better right. I watched some of the games in the preseason you know he's he's had an off season to rest his arm get that some of that arm strength back I don't think the Steelers' offensive line is as bad as a lot of people are making it out to be. We'll see. But I also remember that Steelers-Bills game vividly last season in Buffalo, and the Steelers controlled uh, most of, uh, I'll say, the first uh, first half, and if not for some bad turnover luck, might have won that game. I got it right here. It, Buffalo, three, uh, three three and outs, an interception, and a fumble on their first five, on their first six possessions. Yeah. Right, And there was also a five-play punt drive in there, too. The only reason they scored in the first half was Ben Roethlisberger threw a pick six yeah, that's right before it. halftime. That's you know. Was talking about. Yep. Yeah. So I think that uh, everything to me like kind of screams Pittsburgh. It's just a number, and you're right. Like there's six and a halfs out there. You'll probably be able to get that. But it, what makes the Steelers so interesting, and I wrote about this in the NFL guide, it's all kind of centered around Ben Roethlisberger and like what he's going to do. Because I, I think it should be pointed out he's coming off of a serious elbow injury last year. Maybe that has something to do with mm-hmm. it, and maybe he's a little bit more comfortable this year. So they're a really intriguing team. But I think at this spot they're pretty live. Uh, pretty much every spot in town has six and a half. So there's a decent chance yeah. you're going to be able to find a seven out there. And week one, which is a, the most heavily bet week of the season, uh, regular season, uh, betting public loves to play the favorites. Right. And that's why if you're if you're looking to bet the dogs, hold off until closer to post time. And you can most times, I think, get a better number. How about Jets and the Panthers in Carolina with uh, Panthers minus five? Total of 45. Is this going to be an ugly offensive game? I think so. And I'm actually really surprised by the market support of Carolina in this spot. And five's a dead number, so it doesn't really matter. So I'm just going to play around and see if I'm going to bet it or not. But, you know, I, I don't think the preseason was spectacular for the Panthers offensively. We saw Darnold for a game. And while you look and you go, ah, 19 to 25, a buck 62, two touchdowns. Looks fine on the surface. But how about this? He didn't throw a single deep throw, 20 or more yards downfield. 18 mm-hmm. of, his, of his attempts, humans, no further than nine yards downfield. Five of them were behind the line of scrimmage. Right, right. Like, it was a bunch of dink and dunk nonsense. One of his touchdowns came on a screen, and and I like, look, the Jets secondary is going to be a really big question mark, and these are really good wide receivers for Carolina, but I think overall, I like this front seven, even with the loss of Carl Lawson. I think that this offensive line for the Panthers is not very good, and this is a front seven that, by the way, finished eighth against the run last year in the New York Jets, and the big question here is, 
is what you saw from Zach Wilson legitimate, right? Like he was, the, I think he was the highest graded rookie or second highest graded rookie behind Mac Jones, top 10 in terms of PFF standards. He had some big time throws, didn't commit any turnover worthy plays. So it's, it centers around that. But and like I said, five is going to be out there. It's going to sit out there. It's not, it's not a, not a special number. So I'll be able to get it if I want it. Jets are on my list too. It's catching five. I, I was surprised. I thought three and a half was a fair number here. Yeah. Circuits at four and a half on this game. Yeah. Uh, I like the Panthers a lot this season, over seven and a half at a, a plus price to make the playoffs. I think they could be one of the surprise teams in the NFC, but I don't believe I'm going to lay the points here in week one against the Jets. I really didn't like a lot of what I saw from the, the Panthers offensively in the preseason. Yeah. Uh, I think as the season goes on, this team's going to get better and better. Sam Dar- Darnold has more time in Joe Brady's offense and uh, the Panthers – I think are going to be a much more effective offensive team, but they just weren't clicking yeah. in the preseason. That concerned me because, like you said, everything I saw from Sam Darnold was short throws, short throws. Zach Wilson's got some potential here. I don't know. And when, here's the, so to add to that twofold. One, even when that performance that we're talking about where we're talking about an average depth of target of four and a half yards down field for Sam Darnold, he still committed two turnover-worthy plays in that game, uh-huh. right? So, like, he still wasn't even that great. And I think what's intriguing with Zach Wilson is I think you kind of like this offensive line from the tackle spots. Morgan Moses and um, Mekhi Becton are really good. Elijah Vera Tucker hasn't played in the preseason, so we'll see what the rookie has to provide. But there are things to like about the Jets. There's a wide range of outcomes for them on the season, but a team that I grade them as like somewhat similar from a power rating perspective, you know, slight edge to Carolina, I think five is getting a little too high. Jets do have some injury uh, issues yeah. going into this game. That's going to be a concern. I know you have a play here. Jacksonville Jaguars laying three on the road. Circa yeah. two and a half on this game, total of 45. Jaguars at Texans who have named, officially named, no surprise, Tyrod Taylor, the starting quarterback. Shocking. I thought he was in deep competition there. Uh, no, I look, I think this is just a play. This is a play against Jacksonville, and I think this is a play against the perception of Houston. You know, I think Houston's going to be a really bad team, and they have done, I thought, a pretty decent job of just what they're doing is acquiring like some baseline talent and being able to trade it off. Right? They traded Shaq Lawson, who they signed in the offseason, because they just want to acquire draft picks. But at the same time, you're talking about a Jacksonville team that has shown nothing offensively with their starting units in the preseason, going on the road and laying over a field goal or a field goal. The market's moving toward the Houston Texans. I took three with Houston. I just think the market's a little too high. I think the power rating's a little out of whack here with Jacksonville. You know, this should be more like a pick in my mind as opposed to three points. So give me mm-hmm. Houston. I'm probably going to be on the Texans as well. Yeah. And uh, if you think about it last year, we knew the Jaguars are going to be bad. Yeah. But they won as home dogs in week one against the Colts. Didn't win another game this season. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if the Texans won in week one and didn't win another game. I think the Texans will win a few games. And if you're a Texans player, I think uh, you have to have this game circled as, hey, this is one of the few games we know we can win. Yep. I didn't see much from the Jaguars in the preseason. I don't think Urban Meyer's ready for the NFL right now. Uh, Trevor Lawrence did not blow me away by his play in uh, August. I think this Jacksonville offensive line is weak. It's got problems, too. And the Jaguars can't run the ball. And if you can't run the ball uh, behind that line, it's going to cause problems for Trevor Lawrence. And uh, I think Houston might be the ugly dog of the card that I land on in uh, week one. How about Cardinals and Titans in Tennessee? And uh, the number is Titans minus three. DraftKings actually has two and a half. Total of uh, 52. This is not going to be a game I play. Yeah, this isn't on my short list or long list either, but I'll say this. you know, I'm really intrigued to see Tennessee defensively in that secondary and just overall against this offense of Arizona because there's a lot of turnover in this secondary. I think a lot of unknowns of what it's going to look like for Tennessee in that range. And I don't think they really improved their pass rush. We, you know, Bud Dupree statistically a couple years ago was really good, but if you look at some of the analysis behind what that year was where I think he had like 11 and a half sacks with Pittsburgh, there's a lot of cleanup sacks, a lot of T.J. Watt attracting attention, that front mm-hmm. seven doing its job, and he is you know finding different homes. So I have question marks about this pass rush, question marks about the secondary, and I want to see if you know those questions are answered here against Arizona. So I don't really think highly of either team, so I'm just going to sit back and watch. Yeah, I guess if I were forced to play it, I would take the three with the Cardinals, but uh, I'm not forced to play it. How about yeah. Chargers and Washington? And this is a game where I'm, I'm actually interested in the home dog here. And Me I know too. you like Washington uh, quite a bit this season. I think you got the, uh, the better defense. You got a veteran quarterback and Fitz, uh, Fitz Magic who can make some things happen. He's one of the most inconsistent players you're ever going to see. He's going he's to light it up one week, and he's going to drive you crazy the next. 
but I kind of like Washington here. The better defense, a home dog in that early kickoff spot on the East Coast. Uh, Chargers minus one at most spots, total of 44 and a half. Yeah, I agree. And I think, so with the Chargers, I've kind of come around more on at least the love for the Chargers. Personally, not like I don't know if I really like them as like a playoff team, whatever it is, but I, I understand the route that you're getting there. I like the Chargers in the big picture as right. well. I also wonder a little bit, this is Brandon Staley's first game as a head coach too. Yep. It, when, and I think what's interesting here is the matchup. So the Charger, one of the things that it's with Justin Herbert that he did so well last year, he was phenomenal under pressure. He was, I think, the highest graded quarterback under pressure or the second highest, but one of the best when he was under pressure. And so what the Chargers did was, well, let's put him in less situations where he's facing pressure. Let's improve the offensive line. But now you're talking about a revamped offensive line in their first game taking on one of the best pass rushing fronts in the NFL and Washington mm-hmm. football team. I just think that might be a little too much too soon from a matchup perspective. And usually you see numbers under pressure for quarterbacks vary from year to year. Like it's so much chaos when you're under pressure, it's not going to repeat itself. So if he finds himself under pressure behind a new offensive line, I just think this, this suits well for Washington. So yeah, I'm intrigued. They're definitely on my short list, the Washington football team. You have to love this Washington defensive front and the defense yep. as a whole. I will say this for Justin Herbert and the Chargers. They played really well on the road in his early starts last year against the Saints and the Buccaneers. Yeah. They blew both those games and should have won them both. Uh, so it's not like they can't play on the road. How about Eagles and Falcons in Atlanta? And uh, Falcons winning three and a half, total of uh, 48. So I don't have anything here, but I'm going to – This is you'll hear it here first. I think the Philadelphia Eagles – are going to be in contention for the worst record in the NFL. Oh, okay. I, I just, I don't I've really... heard that before, yeah, okay. so that yeah. you're not the first one to Well, say. for me, you heard it here first, okay. uh, although I think I mentioned it multiple times. They're like 14-1 to to have the worst record in the NFL. But I just, I don't really think high. I think there's a reason why they went and got Gardner Minshew. I, I think they're going to, you're going to see both Jalen Hurts and Gardner Minshew at some point this season. They want to see what's going to happen with these quarterbacks, and I just don't really like much from this offense. Hurts, with his mobility, raises the floor because mobility really helps offenses, but I think you can see a lot of the numbers. He struggled as a passer last year, and I I still think from the, for the Falcons, offensively, there's a lot of weapons. And you're asking Arthur Smith to kind of unlock this as an offense that could happen. So I didn't have a play, but I just I don't think highly of Philadelphia. I don't so. like either of these teams, yeah. to be honest. And uh, I it just uh, I don't know how you can lay three and a half with the Falcons right now either. Right. To me, that's that game is a pass. Last one we'll hit on here before the break. Seahawks and Colts. And your Colts are two and a half point dogs, total of 48 and a half. So there's a lot of chaos around Indianapolis. And this they're on my short list, though, as well, of plays potentially. And I just think when you're looking at this, I've said this to you before. I don't think you realize like how poor the Seahawks defense could potentially be this year. Mm-hmm. Last year, their best pass rusher in terms of grade uh, was Jamal Adams. Their third leading guy in terms of pressures overall was Jamal Adams. He's sure. a safety. Yeah. He's not He's not an edge rusher. And I think there's a lot of questions about the secondary in terms of coverage. And while the Seahawks offensively could be pretty good, they're taking on the strength of the Colts at this point right now, which is a defense that has a really, I think, high ceiling this year, like top 10 in terms of defensive efficiency, just like they were a year ago. So I think the Colts are going to be a little bit more locked. I just there's so much chaos offensively with the offensive line and Carson Wentz and what's going to happen there. So I haven't fully committed yet, but they are definitely a play I'm considering. Small money line and maybe take the points. Are the Colts in? Uh, are the Colts in uh, good shape? You think physically going into this, are they going to be close to full strength in Week One? It seems like it along the offensive line. I just have questions like when you have a quarterback, right? who has missed the majority of the preseason, COVID situation, all that stuff with Carson Wentz, like Eason Wentz, who's going to be out there? That, that's just that's where my trepidation comes from. So I think everywhere else you're going to be fine. T.Y. Hilton's missing, so that's kind of a problem for that wide receiving core. But I think overall, you know, when you're taking on a defense like that, your floor gets raised a little bit, right? Like you can perform a little bit better. So. There's been so much chaos with the Colts here in the past month that I really don't yeah. know what to think where this team is right now. And I would like to play the Colts in this spot, but I have a lot of questions about them too, so... As of right now, that game is a, is a pass for me. Anyway, that's the first half of the NFL card in week one. We'll break down the second half on tomorrow's show. When we come back, we will have our best bets for week one in the NFL next. So stay tuned. This is My Guys on the Desert on uh, VSIN, the Esports Betting Network, back here in a couple minutes.
Hey, it's the right time to start planning your football contest strategy. And also, it's a good time to pick up the VSIN Pro Football Guide. Our VSIN experts have won major football contests around Las Vegas. The guide will give insight on against the spread contests as well as survivor pools to give you a winning edge. Download the VSIN NFL Guide today for $19.99. That's a bargain price. Give VSIN all access and everything we offer for the entire football season at vsin.com slash subscribe. You and I were talking about football contests in Las Vegas during the break and which ones we're going to enter. And uh, the clock is ticking. You have to get those entries in uh, this week. Great opportunities in the Westgate Super Contest, Circa Millions, and Survivor. Uh, The Golden Nugget Ultimate Challenge, the Station Casinos Contest. William Hill has a college contest. Right now it's got a uh, major overlay. But I've heard there are issues with uh, getting signed up with that. Paul Stone told me about it over the weekend. It was uh, a big problem for him, but he's in that contest. 1,000 to enter. That's a college football contest. What's on your mind here? I was just going to say, I mean, the competition is good for us because the way that the Super Contest has restructured their stuff too, right? Yeah. In terms of the payouts, the lower fee, everything, you know, it uh, it is good for betters. Derek Stevens puts up $10 million guaranteed. The Super Contest restructuring by Jay Cornegay, I think, really makes that contest attractive. Uh, NFL Week 1 best bets. You and I have a common play here on the Patriots, two and a half over the Dolphins. I don't care about the uh, the storyline of a rookie quarterback in his first start because I think Mac Jones is better prepared than his former Alabama teammate, Tua. Yep. I just think he's not going to have to do them. I think this is a really good matchup for New England. I think you have a good pass rushing front against a shaky offensive line. You have a good run blocking offensive line taking on a front seven that was not good against the run. And an offensive line that meets a Dolphins um, a Dolphins defense that lost 10 sacks from a year ago is trying to replace that with a rookie right in Jalen Phillips. And I just think from a matchup perspective, Mac Jones is not going to have to do that much either. Right. So given all the matchup edges that the Patriots have here, yeah, under a field goal, I was kind of surprised the market moved in that direction. So especially after the Mac Jones news. Right, given the positivity around Jones, but he's announced in the market, so like solidly moved to the two and a half. So yeah, for three to two and a half, I was a little bit curious of that too because I think the Patriots are better offensively with Mac than with uh, Cam. Mm-hmm. So why would the number drop from three to two and a half? Yep. Yeah, and generally, like, like the market kind of follows the like I guess you call them the vibes of the offseason. Uh, not the case. Yeah. So under that, if you number, watch the Patriots in the preseason, that offense is a lot better with Mac Jones yeah. than with Cam. And you get when look, they added guys. I've brought this up before. They are a team that you missed last year that finished fifth in terms of pressure rate defensively, but twenty fourth in sacks. They bring in Judon. They bring back Kyle Van Noy. They're going to be better in terms of finishing those pressures and getting to the quarterback. So I just think the, this is going to. There's so many things that work in the favor of New England in this matchup specifically against. Miami that under a key number like three I'm mm-hmm. totally in. I really like uh, the way the Patriots look on the offensive and defensive lines. I think mm-hmm. their defense is going to be a lot better, a lot better than it was uh, last season. So you and I both on the Patriots two and a half over the Dolphins. Uh, Alright, so talk about this Thursday night game. I don't see how you can't tease the Buccaneers. Correct. I just I don't play a lot of teasers, but to me this looks like one you have to play. Knock the Buccaneers down to one and a half and find your Find the sides that you want to pair it with or a total whatever. I I think the best teaser for me is Buccaneers minus one and a half and Rams minus one and a half, and that's Rams over Bears in the Sunday night game. How are you going to play the Buccaneers teaser? I'm going to do a a teaser as well. It's going to be Bucks minus one and a half and the Chiefs pick. So the Chiefs are laying six pretty much everywhere against Cleveland. I get that down uh, so you see yours. And I'm, I'm going to do the same thing, man. And I think one of the things that I got committed to last year, humans, was playing teasers more consistently, but like those key teasers, right? Because you know, home favorites of about a touchdown, home underdogs had carried around two and a half, three points, mm-hmm. and getting through those key numbers. And I did this for you. I'm going to surprise you. I had Ben Wilson put this together. So I tracked every teaser that I bet last year. Put yeah. ten, 10 of them in. Put 10 of them in. Eight and two last year. You can see all of them right there. You're laying a buck twenty on two to two team six point teasers, right? A buck twenty is the average price. And if you're getting through key numbers, it is very profitable for you. These NFL lines are really tight. And if you can get through key numbers like three and seven, it works in your favor. How about that one of those losses, by the way? The Giants actually got that one. It was the Broncos plus 21 against the Saints that didn't get there. <laughs> but regardless, that was the game where the Broncos had to play uh, a wide receiver at quarterback. Yeah, but and, and had no look, chance. You, you lost two teasers that involved the Broncos. The yeah. other had the Broncos plus 10. Did they cost you that one? No, I think it? they got in the back door. I think it was Ravens that week, okay. if I remember correctly. But regardless, like this is a profitable 
profitable. I think it's profitable for you, to, and it helps you just build up your bankroll too. So uh, one of the things that I got it into was teasers again through key numbers. That's where they're only ten. You don't get one every week. You got to get those key numbers. But I'm in. I like that chart. The fact that you graded all your teasers from last year, eight and two on two teams, six point teasers, right? Dollar yep. twenty price is what you're laying yeah. too. Uh, how about the Texans? We got time for one more. You also played the Texans plus three, right? Yeah, we went over that a couple minutes ago. But Texans plus three—it's just a play on the number. It's a play against the perception for both teams. I, I think the power rating is just a little too high on Jacksonville there. All right, quick break. We'll come back and uh, recap our best bets in uh, college football for last weekend, and take a quick look ahead to this week. Stay tuned, my guys in the desert. from the OddsTrader.com studio at South Point Casino. Go to OddsTrader.com, download the free OddsTrader app right now and start winning with up to the second info you need. Real-time bet tracking, live in-game odds and stats, all that and more at OddsTrader.com. All right, JVT, let's talk best bets. Mm-hmm. College football over the weekend. I had a had a bunch of plays all over the board. I had a guy tell me over the weekend, you're playing too many games. you got to stick to, like, your three best games and just stick with that. I, I actually could have, could have played 15 games, and I ended up, I think, betting 12. I had these 10 that I put out on the VSIN on the show last week, so I'll stick with these 10 on the chart. Mm-hmm. Um, I also bet Cincinnati, by the way. I did play one big favorite, but uh, the first, first game push. That was Minnesota plus 14 against Ohio State. And uh, a tough break for the Gophers, losing Mo Ibrahim, probably the best running back in the Big Ten. He's dumb for the season. By the way, there was a ridiculous call to win against the Gophers late in the game. I don't know if you were watching. Targeting? It was a, yeah, it was, it's, I thought it should should have been a targeting call. It's either targeting or it's an incomplete pass. Right. It's not a catch and a fumble Fumble and no targeting. Yes. And that's exactly how it was called after review to give yeah. the ball to Ohio State. How does that happen? No idea. And like, here's the thing: is, again, it's just the complaint. Like, what is targeting? You just don't know anymore. There, it's it's so inconsistently called, and you should have degrees of targeting as well. But that was that was a little ridiculous. But how do you call it a catch and a fumble? I, that I didn't understand. Bobbling the was, ball too. That was going to be incomplete, if anything. But <laughs> that was the fact they went back sometimes. to look at it. They were like, "Yep, we're good." <laughs> anyway, I also played Penn State plus five and a half against uh, Wisconsin. Then the Lions won that game 16-10. to 10. Man, you talk about uh, a wrong way to start a season for Wisconsin. Graham Mertz, uh, you got to have some questions about him now at quarterback. Jack Cohn was run off. He got beat out by Mertz. Cohn looks pretty good for Notre Dame last night. Mm-hmm. Graham Mertz, uh, since that big debut against Illinois last year, has not played well at all at quarterback for the Badgers. A five-star recruit, their most hyped quarterback recruit in years. Looks like every Wisconsin quarterback ever. Well, not Russell Wilson. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. How about Fresno State plus 20 and a half against Oregon? The Bulldogs of the Mountain West almost pulled the upset, a 31-24 loss. That was a big dog winner. Yep, they looked really good. They were competitive the entire way, uh, and that's exactly kind. Of, and look, maybe Oregon was looking ahead, but don't get it twisted, man. Fresno State's a really good team. Jack Hander's a good quarterback. This is going to be a competitive team in the Mountain West. It's going to contend for a title. Uh, my worst play of the week by far, Indiana plus three and a half over Iowa. Yeah. Michael Penix looked uh, terrible. Awful. Uh, quarterback, he two picked sixes. off a couple of pick sixes. The same guy, and, uh, too, by the yeah, way. Yeah, that was just a bad play. Uh, Louisiana Tech plus 23. I will say that my Indiana season win total under eight did get off to a good start with that. Yeah. So, uh, Louisiana Tech plus 23 over Mississippi State. This is a good play. Uh La Tech loses 35-34 and should have won the game. Mm-hmm. Also, Oregon State plus seven over Purdue. A little bit unlucky on that one. Purdue threw a 50-yard touchdown pass with two minutes to go to stretch the lead from uh, two points to uh, nine. Also, Florida Atlantic plus 23 and a half over Florida. A little bit lucky to win that one. So, uh, that stuff evens out sometimes. Florida Atlantic lost that game by 21. Clemson minus three over Georgia. Let's talk about this game for a minute because uh, is Georgia's defense that good or is Clemson just totally out of sync and uh, have some major problems on that offensive line because uh, they, they couldn't protect, they couldn't give the quarterback any time to throw. DJ was under 
pressure all night. How do you get held to three points? No offensive touchdowns in the game. I don't think JT Daniels was that good. That was a big part of my handicapping was I don't like JT Daniels. He wasn't that good. But Georgia scores on an interception return. Those throws outside the numbers, I know you've talked about JT Daniels' arm strength. Like, they yeah. weren't really there. Like, he threw one of his picks on those, too. And I, like, what was surprising about Clemson's offensive line performance was, like, at times, Georgia was just rushing, like, four guys. And they were just losing one-on-one matchups. And guys just getting out-muscled and blown by. To me, that's the troubling sign, right? Like, if they're blitzing guys and you're messing up protections, that's something that can be fixed. But when you're talking about losing one-on-one matchups and young offensive linemen looking kind of lost, as you get into ACC play, you can mask those. But if we're talking about Clemson competing in like the big picture type of deal, I think that's really worrisome. All right, uh, more games to look at here. I played Nevada plus three and a half over Cal. Carson Strong and the Wolfpack come through in Berkeley with the win. Outright win for the Wolfpack, and that's also good for the Nevada season win total over seven and a half. And then last night, the Thriller in Tallahassee, Florida State plus seven and a half. Seminoles fall by three in overtime. So that's a cover. And for the week, I went 6-3-1 and one and 8-4-1 and one for the season. Uh, you also had Nevada, right? Yeah, I had Nevada. Um, the, for, so for the show, uh, only three plays that we put up in college football. I did take two, like you mentioned, like you know, other plays that we didn't have on the show. Had a UCF in-game against Boise State, but also ended up on uh, Indiana plus four. So that, didn't, <laughs> that wasn't great. Uh, but Alabama, Miami, Florida, under 62. Had to sweat this thing out. Uh, Alabama, the, the one that made me think I was going to lose it, the 94-yard touchdown in like a split second. Uh, it looked like that was going to be the case. But lucky, luckily, Manny Diaz kicks a field goal late at one point, and Alabama calls off the dog. So that just gets under the total of 62. We were together on Clemson minus three over Georgia, and then Nevada plus three and a half over Cal. And it's funny because Nevada gets into an early hole. One of the touchdowns they give up, there's like two wide receivers on the left side for Cal. There's only one defensive back, just like a really big defensive miscommunication. But Nevada looks good. They are a very good offensive team. Uh, they're on par with teams like that, you know, lower-level Pac-12 teams. they got a pretty interesting spot coming up soon against Kansas State. It's going to be pretty intriguing, uh, but I think uh, that was a really solid spot, and Nevada ultimately pulled it off. So those are the two or uh, three uh, that I put up for college football here. Yeah, Nevada show. has a really difficult uh, schedule, but that, that's for that season win total, that's huge to mm-hmm. get that first win at Cal uh, this weekend. Carson Strong, he might not just be the best quarterback in the Mountain West. He might be the best quarterback on the West Coast. Pro Football Focus had an article a couple weeks ago that might be the number one overall quarterback. In the draft this coming year. Is he the uh, the next Josh Allen out of the Mountain West? Right. Seriously, he's that good. He had 27 yeah. TD passes and four picks, completed 70% of his passes last year, and he's got a lot of weapons in that offense. Yeah, I look, I, there's an argument to be made. That, remember, Josh Allen came out of Wyoming completing less than 50, like 60% of his passes, and there was a lot of questions about what was going on. It was all about the ceiling and what he could be. Mm-hmm. Strong's going to put up really good numbers, looks like your prototypical quarterback, a little bit more athletic than I think he's given credit for. There's a chance that he's probably going, and in a weak quarterback, class too like that's the other thing it doesn't look like there's any strong mm-hmm. quarterbacks that are going to come out going to come out this year so i definitely think he could be the best uh, quarterback strong, so to speak yeah huh? no pun intended no none whatsoever Carson strong is a real deal though and uh, i'm not going to get too high on nevada because that schedule is really tough early in the season especially for a team that's had to travel to practice yep. at stanford and that really hasn't been home because of wildfires in reno I wonder at what point you know that schedule might take a toll on that Nevada team a little bit early in the season where they come up flat in one of these games. So I put that in the in the Mountain West in the Mountain West portion of the college football guide is in the first five weeks they have Cal, which they won, road game against Kansas State, home against Boise State. That's in the first five weeks of the yeah. season with a non-con game mixed in there. That's tough to ask to get through that flawlessly. So be interested to see how they do it. But Boise State didn't look great. Uh, the Wolfpack's not going to get through it flawlessly. Yeah. But it's nice to get that first win. And uh, JVT 2-1 and one on his uh, college football plays. All right, we'll take a quick break. We come back, update baseball, and we'll take a, uh, another look at college football week two.
If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of city casts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. The Chicago, Detroit, Philadelphia, and Pittsburgh city casts are up and running with five new episodes every week. Subscribe to your local city cast wherever you get your podcast. Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Visit BetRivers.com. That's Chicago, Detroit, Philly, and Pittsburgh. And I think more to come on the Bet Rivers City Cast. All right, JVT, let's update uh, baseball. And uh, we talked about the Yankees coming up flat this morning in the Bronx, dropping their third in a row to the uh, Blue Jays. 8 nothing. We do have a final at Fenway. That game uh, yep. finished right after we updated. Uh, it was in the bottom of the 10th. The Rays took down the Red Sox 11-10. to 10. Down with That was a wild game at Fenway Park. Yeah, when you get a inside-the-park home run to tie a game up and set it to extras, uh, it is wild indeed. And so the Rays, with the loss for New York and the win over Boston, now take a commanding eight-and-a-half game lead in the AL East going forward. So now for the Yankees, it seems it is all about dueling with Boston. And, that, and this is why that loss to Toronto, too, is big, right? Because we always focus on the Yankees because they're the bigger team. Toronto's only three games back for that second wild card. Mm -hmm. And the uh, Yankees are only half game in control of the first. So it's only one game so far, but a sweep for Toronto after taking a series from Oakland, they can just vault themselves right up the top of the wild card order right now. So these are really big games for the Yankees to be losing to the Baltimore Orioles games that you should win. You could have come into this thing with uh, a little bit more of a stronger lead over Toronto, but that's not the case when you lose two games. You're right about that. And uh, the Yankees, I think after that 13-game win streak, you're in the middle of it. A lot of people thought, well, this team's in the playoffs now. It's said and done. But I got told my, my race ticket was in danger. They're like, watch out. That last series against Tampa Bay might be for the division. Not the case right now. No, you got the uh, the Mariners, the Blue Jays, and the A's right there on the heels nope. of the Yankees and the Red Sox in that AL wildcard chase. in the National League West, Giants came into the day with a one-game lead on the Dodgers after winning the last two in that series. Giants also won the season series 10-9, to which could be important down the road. Uh, both teams on track to win today. Right now, the Giants up 10-2 on the Rockies. That's in the bottom of the seventh at Coors Field. And the Dodgers up 5-1 on the Cardinals. We have just reached the bottom of the ninth in St. Louis. Yeah, and it's tough for St. Louis because they had, they had kind of thrust themselves in contention for an NL wild card. But now you run into a team. You know, you had a series of Milwaukee, and then you run into a team like the Dodgers. So this is, uh, is going to be a tough task. They're not completely, obviously not completely out of it, but uh, their schedule is a little bit tighter than some that are around them in that NL wild card race. Hey, not too long ago, Shohei Otani looked like he was going to be the MLB home run champ. Yeah. And uh, there wasn't that much question. Salvador Perez has closed the gap to two, 43 to 41. I'm going to say 10 days ago at William Hill, you could have got Perez at 40 to 1 odds to win that. And uh, how confident are you that Shohei's going to hold on? I think I'm pretty confident that he's going to be able to do it. You know, they they are a very good lineup, so he's going to have the opportunities to do so. They play at a park that is uh, that works in their favor, right, in terms of home run hitters and things like that. So I would have some solid confidence that he's going to be able to maintain it. But if you're asking, like, laying a price on it, depends on the price, but I, I think he's going to do it. He's up two on Perez, talking about Otani, and up mm-hmm. three on Vlad Guerrero Jr., and uh, how about Marcus Simeon with 37 homers for the Blue Jays? Fernando Tatis Jr. with 37 for the Padres. Well, problem is, I guess this will work against him, is the Angels do have the fifth hardest schedule left in baseball. And you're going to be taking on teams that are competing and like trying to win and you know, top-end talent, right? You have seven games against the Astros, three against the White Sox, six against the Mariners. You know, Those are going to be some tough squads to face. So ultimately, does that make the difference for him, right, when he's facing opposing pitching that is trying to win these games? Not a lot going on tonight in baseball on Labor Day. You do have uh, Mariners at Astros and Rangers Angels with uh, the Angels minus 121 right now, total of nine. That's at the South Point. All right, let's take a, uh, a look ahead at some of the biggest games in college football week three, and these are three games involving Big Ten teams. Oregon, Ohio State is the first one to talk about, and we uh, hit on this one early in the show. Brent Musburger loves this Buckeyes team. I think C.J. Stroud was uh, really good in the opener against Minnesota, but he's got some great wide receivers yeah. to work with. He had some big plays, uh, big big plays uh, for scores in that game against the Gophers. They're not very good defensively. I'm just not sure what to make of Oregon right now. We talked about the Ducks barely surviving as big favorites against Fresno State over the weekend. Now you got to wonder if uh, Oregon's best defensive player is going to be on the field, Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, their top NFL prospect and the guy who commands double teams and uh, extra attention. Uh, is he going to be out in the field for the Ducks? 
I'm not sure. I think right now it's questionable. You said you read some reports that things are positive. He left that game at halftime with an ankle injury. Anyway, yesterday's circuit opens Ohio State 14, briefly drops to 13 and a half. It's back at 14. Uh, I'm tempted to play the Ducks here, but I have to make sure to know that Thibodeau's healthy and uh, ready to go for the Ducks. Yeah, the uh, the official diagnosis day to day as they move forward to the Ohio State game, uh, X-rays were negative, and they, I think the positivity comes from the fact that it looked like it could have potentially been really serious for Thibodeau. So that's going to be the case. I, like I'm with you. Like, for me, the difference would be a guy like Thibodeau because if you looked at, the, I think one of the things that really worked in Ohio State's favor in that match with Minnesota, only one tackle for loss for that front seven, C.J. Stroud was really comfortable as that game went along. And this is, you talk about the wide receivers being really good. This is also uh, an offensive scheme that Day and the Buckeyes have put together that these guys are going to be able to run wild out there. And so if you're going to give Stroud time and comfort, like he's going to be comfortable back there, mm-hmm. that's only a problem for you. So I need, I think if I'm going to back Oregon, I want Thibodeau out there to know that I at least have an NFL level talent and is going to be able to disrupt things behind the line of scrimmage. Because you go back last year, the games in which this you know offense looked its worst were the games in which the front sevens of their opponents got in the backfield, created havoc for guys like Justin Fields, and I think that's got to be the case here if you're going to get to Ohio State. Oh, it's like anything. you got to put pressure on the quarterback. Yep. And without Thibodeau, I'm not sure the Ducks can do that. Uh, C.J. Stroud against Minnesota completed 13 passes for 294 yards. Yeah. The touchdown throws were 38, 56, 61, and 70 yards. And if you give those Ohio State receivers time to run around, they're going to create space, and they're going to uh, hit for big plays, and that's my big concern about uh, playing Oregon in this spot, but I'm leaning towards taking the 14 with the Ducks. Oh, and how many of those, like hey, C.J. Stroud did, had, had a lot of great, he had one, I think it was like a deep crossing route to the left side that just over the Minnesota defender's hands, but like, how many of those were catching runs for those touchdowns? Like sure. those wide receivers, when they get the ball out in space, they are they are lethal for Ohio State, and you just can't give him, you cannot give him the time to do that. You know, Oregon's got some playmakers too. I think Anthony Brown's a pretty good dual threat quarterback. Mm-hmm. C.J. Verdell's an explosive running back, but they don't have an abundance of big play guys like they've had in the past. And mm-hmm. Ohio State's got plenty of big play guys. Anyway, uh, how about Washington, Michigan? Brent Musburger talked about this at the top of the show today. Is it an overreaction right now to make Michigan a six-point favorite? in this game against Washington. I was not high on the Huskies going into the year, unlike some other handicappers. I, I did the Pac-12 preview for the VSIN uh, college betting guide, and I just didn't see it on paper with Washington. And I'm just not sure Jimmy Lake is the right guy to hit coach. I'm not sure you got the coach and the quarterback mm-hmm. uh, to hype Washington like it was in the preseason. The Huskies fall flat. 22-point favorites, 23 in some spots. Anyway, they lose 13-7 to to Montana. Uh, were they were the Huskies looking ahead like Brent indicated? Uh, do you think this is an overreaction all of a sudden to make the Wolverines minus six in, in Ann Arbor? Because we were seeing a, a preseason number of uh, like Michigan minus one and a half or two. Yeah, I, I don't think I mean, if you're, you're starting to get to that seven and a half range, you know, I, I think that's maybe start to worth looking at Washington. I just I'm with you. My problem with looking at a match like this is I personally wasn't high on Washington either. I right? didn't pick them to win their division in our in our guide. I uh, didn't really think about doing it. I just didn't really love what they had offensively. I just you don't really like I think the, the offense that John Donovan their offense coordinator brings to the table. I think it's just a it's almost it's not um, Wisconsin esque. It's not like that, but it is very bland in terms of their offensive attack. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what ultimately held me back. I think you saw the strengths of their defense in that game, and maybe that ultimately keeps them within an inflated number if you get to that full touchdown. But I just have not liked what I saw on paper from Washington, and that just what we watched in week one reinforced my priors. And so that's to me it ultimately leaves me off of this game. But I can understand if it gets to seven, seven and a half, worth looking at that because it's an overreaction. Yeah, you have to guard against overreactions and think, well, Michigan looked really good against Western Michigan, and, uh, you know, Washington got upset by Montana. Sometimes you have to uh, forget about that stuff going into week two. Um, but, yeah, I didn't like Washington preseason either, so that's what makes it difficult to me. For me, I'm not going to be on the dog in that game. All right, college game day for ESPN is going to roll into Ames, Iowa. How about that? Iowa, Iowa State. And... Uh, I thought the Hawkeyes looked really good defensively against Indiana. Don't get blown away by the 34-6 to score because that was mostly defense for the Hawkeyes. Uh, Iowa State, lucky to survive against Northern Iowa, 16-10. to were, were, the, were the Cyclones a little bit asleep at the wheel looking ahead to the game against the Hawkeyes? So now you've got Iowa State, four, four-and-a-half uh, point favorite, total of 45. Um, this might be one I look at the underdog, but... Um, 
I, I don't think I'm going to be on the Iowa State side. It would be dog or pass for me, probably. I think if it, if it gets to like three, if we're getting there, right, then you can find me. I, I would probably be on the Iowa State side because this is one of those where. So I was high on Iowa State, and I think coming into this, you well, know, people it, it, were high on Iowa State. <laughs> I mean, one one game's not a reason to get down on them. Right. If you were high on them, and, and so I, I think that this is one where the markets may be overreacting in, in a little too strong in one direction. Right. You mentioned Iowa. You two pick sixes in that game makes it look a little bit more lopsided than it really was. Mm-hmm. Indiana, a couple drives that went into Iowa territory that they snuffed out themselves, right? So I think that really maybe the market's getting a little too extreme because of the two results that we saw from both of these respective teams. I like this Iowa State team a lot. So if we're getting down to like that three and a half, three range, which I think FanDuel has and points, but has three and a halfs out there, if the market continues to overreact like that, I'd find myself on the side of the Cyclones here. I'm probably going to end up passing on that yeah. game. That's just. Uh... It's one of those I've already bounced back and forth, and uh, I hate doing that on games. But I think of the ones we talked about involving those big, those high-profile Big Ten games. Oregon plus fourteen might be the one that um, uh, might be the one that's uh, most prominent on my mm-hmm. radar this week. If I'm going to play one dog, it's probably going to be the Ducks uh, plus fourteen. Who knows? That number might go to fourteen and a half, but we'll see. Uh, are you set on much in college football this week? Because I, I'm, I did a lot of work on it last night, and. It, Schedule kind of sucks. Yeah, last <laughs> week I had 10 to 15 games I really liked, and uh, I'm not coming up with uh, that many plays this week. I'm going to have fewer plays this week, I can guarantee uh, that. Arkansas, if it gets to the full touchdown, was on my radar. Uh-huh. Uh, it sounds like Illinois might be getting a little bit healthier, so them yeah. catching 10 in that spot uh, against Virginia. And then, uh, you know, now nah, I can't do it. I was going to say, and Vanderbilt uh, against Colorado State. Can't do it. All right, that's it for my guys in the desert. We'll be back tomorrow. Up next on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, Danny Burke with Rush Hour. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.